0: amen. Church, by show of hands, and I'm talking to you online too, want your participation with a hand-raised emoji, how many of you, by, by show of hands, would say that you're a reader? Like, you're a reader. Uh, anybody? Yeah, quite a few of you. You're a reader. I would say the same thing. And actually, you know what? When I asked that question, I should clarify, because one time I asked a guy that. I said, are you a reader? And he's like, absolutely. I all, got all excited. I said, that's great. I said, what are you read? What book are you reading right now? He's like, oh, I hate reading books. I said. I said, you just, okay, you just said you're a reader. He goes, oh, I thought you were asking if I could read. I said, no, I'm not asking if you can read. I'm, anyway, so never assume anything. It's a true story. So um, I, when I closed my last college textbook, I remember saying to God, boom, I'm done. I'll never read again. And I, I pretty much held on to that bargain or, or held up my end of that bargain for 15 years. And I didn't want to read anything. But, you know, when you're sitting in a drug rehab and you got time on your hands, God will do some things. And our church, or, or the church we went to when I was in rehab, we went to a church and they were selling a book called A Purpose Driven Life. And I remember picking up that book and, and I started to read it and I couldn't put it down. And, uh, and, and the book literally started to transform something in me. You know, I, I believe that me reading that book that day in my rehab, I, I think it was God starting to put the seeds of Meadows Church even. We exist to lead people to what? purpose right so Christ yes both to Christ and their, we're both right and their God-given purpose so that book changed my life and that book was a springboard to get me into the word of God and the word of God was a springboard to get me back into the local church and when I went to the local church I was introduced to another book called The Whole Inner Gospel and I read that book and I've read a lot of books from them that from that day until today and I'd say that book that book certainly A Purpose-Driven Life and The Whole Inner Gospel are two of my top five and, and the book. I mean, it changed my life. And what, what, it, what it really asks is this. What does God expect of me? Like, ask your neighbor right now. Ask your neighbor. What does God expect of me? Ask, ask your husband. Ask him, Dan. Yeah. If you don't believe, praise God you're here. Let's watch what God does. But if you are a believer, what does God expect of you and me? Is it, is it just like studying the Word? I mean, is that what it means to have faith? Studying the Word of God? Is it just coming to church? Like... If, but think about this: If faith was just coming to church, I'd be the most faithful person. I'm telling you, I Catholic grade school, first grade through eighth grade, church three times a week, Tuesdays, Fridays, Sunday. I had church in the bank for like a decade, and I didn't go to church for a decade based on that. So I, so is it just church? Is it man? Is it just avoiding the serious sins? Is that what our faith is? Just waking up and saying, you know what? I just got to get through the day and just not kill anybody, right? Is it, and you laugh, but you laugh probably because you don't have teenagers, so you don't get it. But trust me, it's a real thing to pray that prayer, right? Jake, I tell you what. So um, just so you understand my world, this week I'm out at the garbage cans on the side of our house throwing something away, and I catch something out of the side view, and I, and I look, and it's a gas can in the back by the deck. And I'm like, why is the gas, the gas can out there? So I walk over there, and I, I look, and there's the... There's a, okay, here's the inventory. A gas can, a wiffle ball bat, something that's been burnt. I don't know what it was, but it's burnt, charred black, and uh, a garden hose. And my first thought is, I'm going to kill that kid. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> like, what is he doing? And Jake, you know what I asked you? I said, Jake, what, what's going on back there? And you're like, Dad, we'll talk later. I'm like, we can't talk later. The house might be burnt down. I just teenager so anyway so is it just is it just avoiding serious sins or is is our faith just like praying a prayer is our faith just praying the special prayer you know asking jesus into our heart and then we're good or or does god expect more this is the this is this book i mean it god i hope you will get a copy we rarely do these things together these group studies and this one's a big one for our church i wrote it down have we embraced the whole gospel the entire gospel Or a gospel with a hole in it. That's the premise. And today I'm going to give you a teaching straight from Jesus. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. If you brought your Bible, your mobile app, watching online, I want you to get yours out too. Matthew 25. I'm going to, I'm going to, (laughs) people want to hear about end times and final judgments. I hear a lot about that, you know, in recent days. Well, you're going to get it. Not straight from me, because I don't have a clue. Okay? But Jesus knows some things. Jesus knows some things. And in this, in this scripture, Jesus is really prophesying about what the final judgment is going to look like. I mean, this is crazy. And it's going to get even crazier because you, you might be very shocked to find out how he is shaking things out. This is what he says. Matthew 25, verse 31. King Jesus is talking. He says, but when the Son of Man, me... When I come in my glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence. You guys, it's going to be, un- it's going to be so, uh, we can't even fathom what he's saying. And he's going to start separating the people. As a shepherd sh- uh, separates the sheep from the goats. He says, I'm going to place the sheep on the right and goats on the left. Then the king is going to say to those on the right, the sheep, he's going to say, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For you know what? I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked. You gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. And when I was in prison... Well, you visited me. Then these righteous ones, the ones on the right, the sheep, they're going to reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or, or, or feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we ever see you as a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick, Jesus, or in prison and visit you? When did this even, when? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the one of the least of these, of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Man, verse 41. Then King Jesus turns to those on the left, the goats. Away with you, you cursed ones. Into the eternal fire prepared for you. Pre- excuse me, prepared for the devil and his demons. That's so interesting. I'm gonna pause for a second. Hell what was never originally prepared for us. It says it right there. What was it prepared for? The devil and the demons. And I would also add, probably for also prepared for people that drive slow in the left lane. Even though Jesus didn't say that, I think he probably meant it, but whatever. So it wasn't prepared for people. That wasn't the original plan. The devil and the demons. And then he says, you're cursed. Go away. Why, Jesus? Well, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me a drink. You know where this is going. I was a stranger, you didn't invite me to your home. Naked, you didn't give me anything to wear. Sick and in prison, you didn't visit me. And and they reply, "Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or you thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison?" When? And not help you? And he'll answer, "I tell you the truth." Because Jesus doesn't just tell you the truth. Well, he is the truth. I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. And they, and you want to hear a sobering uh, scripture? They will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous will go into eternal life. Okay, this is one of the most, if you think about what I just read to you, what Jesus just said, that is crazy. This is crazy. Jesus, okay, it's scripture, right? It's got to be true. Jesus didn't separate the people, you know, heaven, hell. He didn't separate them. Notice this. He didn't separate them based on what they believed. He didn't separate them based on what they declared. He didn't separate them based on a, a, a special prayer that they prayed. And we all know many people that would say, I believe. Many people that have prayed that prayer. Many people that would say, I know Jesus. But I think Jesus would say, you know what? You know me to the level that you love and live like me. That's what he's saying. So let's just get right out the gate. What does God expect of you and me? We just read it. He expects you and I to love and to live like his son. He expects you and I to love and to live like Jesus. It's crazy. If our personal faith in Christ has no outward expression, then our faith, your, your faith and my faith, has a hole in it. That's what, that's what Jesus said. That's what he showed in that scripture. Wait a minute. Okay, pastor, I got a question. Are, so you're saying we're saved by what we do? We're saved by good works? No. No, let's go a little bit deeper. I wrote it down. It means that any authentic commitment to Christ, authentic, genuine commitment to Christ, will be accompanied by actionable evidence of a transformed life. Let me say it a different way. No, no, no. You're not saved by good good works. But know this. When you're saved, you'll do good works. You're not saved by good works, but you're saved to do good works. It's, it's, living out our faith privately was never meant to be an option. That's what Jesus is saying. The, the, what's the greatest commandment? It, Jesus said it's love, love God with all you got, your heart, your soul, your mind, everything. And then he says, the this, this second thing is just as important. What'd he say? Love others. So, so what's the number one way you can love God? You know what it is? It's by loving others. See, when you love others, you're loving God. What's the number one way then that I can love others? By showing them the love of the Father. Not, not talking about it, not not thinking about it, not having intentions about it, showing them the love of the Father. It's so crazy. This scripture, think about that. He is separating them by what he is there a hole in our gospel? Here's what else is crazy. And I've never seen this before. Read the scripture many times. Here's what else hit me. Remember the sheep and the goats? They were both surprised by what Jesus said. Do you notice that? They were, they were both shocked when Jesus said, well, you, you didn't feed me or you did feed me. Remember what they said? When did we, when did we feed you? When did, neither one of them had a clue. And I think that's so interesting. So the goats, remember that's the camp you don't want to be in right? Tom Brady, I'm not sure you want to be the GOAT. You know what I'm saying? Does he? Seriously? By the way, I mean, I don't know if you follow anything about sports, but the guy comes back after two months of retiring. I, you, I know what happened. He got a taste of what we live, right? Goes home. Giselle's like, hey, Tom, I got your honeydew list. Start with cleaning the garage, then clean the 17 bathrooms, and then dust from, you know, top to bottom. Tom's like on the phone with his agent. Dude, I think I still got a couple years left. I, you know, I don't know. So he can't take it. Wuss. Anyway, so did I say that out loud? Okay, so the, I'm off track. The sheep, okay. So, so the goats and the sheep, they're both shocked. They're both surprised. They're like, when did we see you, Jesus? I, I guarantee the goats, if, if, if they really would have saw Jesus, they would have felt obligated, right? Oh, it's Jesus. Well, I gotta, I gotta feed you. I gotta clothe you, Right? The sheep they don 't know it 's Jesus because it 's just what they do they weren 't doing it because of obligation. Well, that person represents Jesus, so this is the right no, 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 they weren 't doing it out of out of obligation, they were doing it because their heart had been transformed. see what what god isn 't interested in is you just trying to change your behavior. I just need to do it better I need to I, I screwed up again, I need to change well, of course, he wants you to live differently. But God's not into behavior modification. See, what he's desperate for is heart transformation. See, because when your heart has truly been transformed, well, the actions are going to follow, right? The loving will follow. The giving will follow. The serving will follow. It will follow. That's why if you focus on behavior, you're missing it. And you'll torture yourself because you're going to keep screwing up. Because we live in a fallen world. God has to change your heart. The sheep, their heart were changed. That's why they lived the way they lived. It's crazy. And, and I tell you what, I know this firsthand because when I left, when I, I've told you before, I've always believed in Jesus. Never doubted Jesus, never doubted him. But I certainly have lived like he doesn't exist. I certainly lived most of my life not surrendered to him. You can believe in Jesus and not follow him, right? Does the devil believe in Jesus? Yes, more than you and I ever will, trust me. He, don't, he ain't following him nowhere. I guarantee he ain't surrendering to him. So, so, so here it was after high school. I go to college and I'm done. I'm like, and I wasn't mad at Jesus. I'm just living probably the way most a lot of college people live. Jesus, you ain't the focus. And I had people through the next 15 years. I had people invite me to do things like, like, like religious things. Hey, you should come to church. But, but my heart hadn't been changed. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't need that. Hey, you should, you should. Come serve with us. We're going to go serve downtown. No, I'm good. Hey, we're going to give to, you know, this hope for Ukraine thing. We're going to, we're going to, no, I'm, that's okay. You go ahead. I'm good. I mean, hey, come to our small group. We're doing this book study on the holding our gospel. You got to come to this group. I think I would have said, oh, small group at your home. Are there any hot chicks there? Oh, no, it's a guy's group. Nope, I'm out. You know, it's just, nope, not interested. Why would I be like that? Because God didn't have my heart. That's why. He, he had my head. This is so many people. That's why this, this, is such, this is such a game-changing series and study. God, will you get the book and read it? God, will you get in a study? I hope you do. It will change you. It did me. And, and you know what? I just thought about something. The pendulum swings the other way, too. Like me, I believed in Jesus, but I was living my own life. I think there's others that are way over here in this spectrum, and they're all over the religious activities. They're in church. They don't miss church, right? Not, not, not because they can't wait to give their lives away, but it's obligation, right? Church is what I do, you know? I'm gonna, uh, scripture is what I, what I do. Not because I want to, but because I almost have to. This is like a Pharisee uh, mindset. The Pharisees were the religious people back in Jesus' day. And they had the head knowledge of Jesus, but the heart relationship was not there. And you see this all, it's like when people will say, oh, pastor, I wish we would just go deeper, like on the weekend. And listen to me, I love going deeper in the word of God. I do. But I'm telling you something, a lot of the times when you dissect, when somebody says that, many times what they're saying is, I just want to get so deep in the word. No one gets it, and then we don't have to do anything. You know, it's just, but we're getting deeper, we're, we're studying, you know, we're studying Revelation for two years straight, and you should study Revelation. It's a beautiful book of love if you know the Lord. Scare the heck out of you if you don't know the Lord. But I'm just saying, so I'm not, I'm not against going deeper, but, but you know what I'll say to somebody when they say that to me? I'll say, who have you invited to church recently? And normally that ends the conversation, just to be honest with you. Because you want, you want me to tell you, and I'm preaching to me too, you're as deep as the last person you've invited to church. You're as deep as the last person you've served. You're as deep as the last person that you've loved like Jesus. That's the deep. We don't. We. I, I wrote it down because they're saying I want to be more spiritually mature. Spiritual maturity. It, it has. I don't think it has anything to do with what we know. See, we don't need to know a whole lot more. We know plenty of what the Word of God says. We need to do more of what we know. This is the key. It's not how much you know. It's how much you obey. The real evidence of our belief is the way we act. That's what Jesus is showing us. And we're we're called to love. And we're called to serve. Notice I didn't say save. Because sometimes we as followers of Jesus, we get our role mixed up with God. I'm going to save them. No, you're not. You're not. You're as messed up as they are. You ain't ain't saving nobody. That's not your job. That's God's job. I don't know. They're messed up. I'm going to pull them out of it. Okay, let me know how that goes. Ah, uh, they're struggling. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there, and I'm going to rescue them. Okay. They're, I, they're, I know they're addicted to 14 different things, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rescue them from that addiction. Actually, you'll probably be smoking crack with them in three weeks. But anyway, whatever. So I'm, No, you're not. Christians are funny. You, our job isn't to save them. Our job is to serve them and love them and point them to the only one who can save them. But Christians will say funny things. I, uh... <laughs> Pastor, I'm gonna pray for him. That's good. Well, I'm gonna pray for him like I've never prayed before. Well, are you sure they want that? I mean, think about what you just said. You're gonna pray for them like you've never prayed. Do they want? That? They might. They want. They might want someone who has actually. You know, think, what does that look like? I'm gonna pray for him like I've never prayed before. Okay, okay, sir. Yeah, you. That you have no idea about what prayer is. Come pray for me. Well, how would that work out? He'd be like, hey. Dear Jason, it's Jesus. Oh, I mean, I mean, dear Jesus. Um, I, 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 pray a, I pray a hedgehog of protection over this. I mean, it just doesn't work. You want someone who, okay, that's why our prayer team, they know what they're doing. So Christians are funny. One final observation that blew me away. Do you remember how Jesus said, go away, you cursed ones? So this is your homework. Read this. Read this scripture that we were studying today. Read it again yourself this week. I want you'll notice something. Jesus does, or God doesn't curse them. Uh, Jesus says God blesses the ones who are the sheep. You are blessed by the Father. It says, but the ones who are cursed, they're not cursed by the Father. That's just that's just the that's just if you're not blessed. Well, there's one other option. But but God doesn't curse you. We do that on our own by the way that we by the way that we live. And that hit me. The other thing was this. The, the goats, they weren't cursed by what they did, right? Oh, I screwed up. Oh, I, I hurt that person. I did this. I did that. No, no, no. They were cursed by what they didn't do. See, I think that might be the biggest thing. They call them sins of omission. Maybe you've heard it that way. James four seventeen. Remember, church, it's a sin to know what you ought to do. And then not do it. So, just because I like sharing my dysfunction in my life. And you know that I'm far from perfect. Now this is before we moved to the Omaha area. So, just give me some grace. But I remember on a cold, wintry day in South Dakota. There was, I saw a car up. And it was kind of snowy. And there was a car, not completely in the ditch. Kind of just I mean, kind of, whatever. I thought if they knew how to drive, they could probably get out. But they, whatever. They were kind of stuck there, it looked like. And the person was out. And I'm driving closer, and they're like like this, like waving. I'm like, oh, they're so friendly. Maybe they know me. And they're like like this. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. Now, deep in my heart, what are they trying to do? They're trying to flag me down. They're pro- they probably want some help. But you know what I do? I mean, I slow down because that's the right thing to do. But then I slow down, and I kept driving. And I just kind of wave at them like this. And I keep driving. Okay, I'm. That's sad, you guys. And that, but again, you can't judge me. That was like five, six weeks ago. So I mean, I've I've grown since then. So um, I'm kidding. It was longer than that. So, but but, and I was afraid I was going to look at my rearview mirror, but I was afraid they might be gesturing something else with their hands. So I was like, nah. You know, they that, they probably weren't happy. I look back at that moment. I think, okay, that was obviously I missed. I missed it. Was that a sin? Absolutely. You could even argue. That, 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 that knowing that, that someone's in need and then I just do that, you could argue that was evil. And that might sound harsh, but this is what I wrote down. Not doing good, not doing good when you know you should really is the moral equivalent of doing evil. We don't like to use the word us and evil together because that's, but I'm just saying, not doing it when you know that you should I don't know if you've ever been tubing, but, but when, you, when you tube and you go down a river, you're, you just drift along with the current. Do you, do you know what you have to do to drift? Nothing. Do you know why I'm so desperate for you to take a next step into this, this life group study or this small group even if it's you doing it? I don't care. Do you know why I'm so desperate? It's not because oh, I'm just going to torture them and make them do something else because it's all about doing more. no, no. It's because I know that we are in a constant drift, okay? I'm in church, it's still drifting. To drift, you just have to do nothing. And and, and as a pastor and being inside the church world, I know something, and I'll share it with you. And, and And it's true with all churches. Stats will tell you that when a person comes to a church, if they don't take a next step within the first six months, good luck, because they most likely never will. So if you've been coming longer than six months, I'm not saying you're in, I'm just saying, that's why I'm, I'm like, I want you to take a next step. And then a next step could be, it could be a lot of things. It might be getting in the word of God on a consistent basis. It might be praying on a consistent basis. It might be serving uh, in the local church or outside the local church, you know, giving. Um, it could be a, a small group. Those are all next steps. And we point you to them all the time. But it's not to make, give you one more thing on your plate. It's that you might have the life that Jesus died for to take a next step. And I know the longer people sit and come and soon those people, you know what happens? And I'm just being, I, I've seen it, okay? I love you too much not to tell you, but what will happen is if they don't move after six months and they continually just, and they're coming to church, so the devil will be like, oh, you're good, you're in church, but you're not doing any of their steps. Eventually they're gone, guarantee you. It might be a year, it might be two, it might be three. Eventually they'll be gone because you know what? God wired them to do something, God wired them to use their gifts and talents. And even though they're not doing it, it's, there's still this, this tension in them and, and they'll blame maybe something else or, oh, you know this, or they just said that, whatever, and they'll be gone. God, to drift, you don't have to do anything. That's a scary thing to say. The hole in our gospel. This book will radically change you. And Right now you might be thinking, well, that's a, that's a big commitment. I mean, it's eight weeks and then you can be done, you can jump out you, gotta read the, you don't have to read the book in one week you read it all along the eight weeks but I'm telling you I would, I, would not, I would not I would not be doing any of this to waste your time I wouldn't do that to you your time is valuable, I know that but, but I also know Jesus and he said like Jesus, think about this he asked a great deal of those who followed him, him didn't he? you know what he didn't say? he just said, hey, come, believe I'm the son of God alright, see ya He didn't do that. He called them out. He expected so much more, I wrote. He challenged the followers to embrace a radically different standard. He did. He said, you know what, love your neighbors, and your enemies. We talked about that in the last series. He said forgive those who hurt you. Pray for those who persecute you. Lift up the poor, lift up the oppressed, share what you have with those who are in need. Right? He called them to live lives of sacrifice. Like if you really want me to tell you what God expects, right? That's the title of today's message, right? Here, I'll really tell you. Here's what God expects of you and me. Everything. That's what he expects. But here's the thing when you give God everything, this is what you realize He will give you so much more. We're holding out and holding back, and it's hurting us. We're busy with the things that don't make an impact in the kingdom of God. You give eight weeks, then get out. If you want to get out, get out and run from the church if you want. Give Him eight weeks, watch what He does. That's what he wants. He wants everything. He'll settle for nothing less. An authentic relationship with Jesus, it always leads to compassion towards others. It always does. It always did and it always will. God expects us to love and live like his son. God expects us to love and live like his son. One of the quotes from the book, The Whole in Our Gospel, uh, this is from a pastor, I think John MacArthur is his name. He said this. Now remember the last series we did flip the script? A lot of that was based on the Sermon on the Mount. Here's what MacArthur says. Hell will be full of people who thought the Sermon on the Mount was incredible teaching. We must do more than that. We must obey and take action. Hell will be full of a lot of people who thought the Bible was an incredible book. Hell will be filled with a lot of people that memorized a lot of scripture. How did Jesus separate them? Think about this. God is trying to get our attention. 1 John. John was arguably Jesus' closest disciple. In 1 John 2, verse 3 and 4, here's what he wrote We can be sure we know Jesus if what? We obey his commandments. Well, we know him if we believe. We, we, we just got to believe. Believe is where it begins. If someone claims I know him, this would be your pastor for all my life. I know God, Monty. You're living worse than the atheists out there, okay? But I know God. But they don't obey God's commandments. That person is a liar, and and, the, and is not living the truth. John doesn't mince words. I want I, I want to obey. I won't get it right. I won't get it perfect last week some of you know i was at a conference i actually went to two conferences and uh at the second one was in sioux falls where i was i grew up in that area and i'm talking to joanne lyon she um i mean this woman is a uh, she's amazing she's been in rooms oval offices prayed for presidents uh she's she's very connected and uh I'm talking to her, and we're talking about I'm talking about how can our church make a difference in uh, you know, the world, like Ukraine, what's going on there, and other areas. And she's, she started World Hope, the organization I'm talking about. And she, she's talking about it, and here's what she says to me. She says something that blew me away, because she's very connected to uh, the Wesleyan denomination. That's a denomination that we're part of. And you don't need to hear that much from me, because I'm not big into de- de- denominations, but, I, but I'll tell you this, I'm grateful I'm in one. Because I know a lot of pastors, friends of mine, who are in non-denominational, non—I can't even talk—non-denominational churches with no accountability, and they're gone. I have tons of accountability, and you want that for your pastor, and you want that for the church. That's a good thing. So Joanne, I'm talking to Joanne, and here's what she says. She says, Monty, what Meadows has done in four plus years, so she considers Meadows a, 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 of, the, of the 70 churches in our district, she's like, you're, a, you're, you're leading the charge. And I'm like, we're just a baby church. She's, and then she says, how many people have given their lives to Christ? And I said, 504 people have surrendered their lives to Christ. And you can celebrate that. It's okay. <laughs> 504 people. And I said, Joanne, 220 people have been baptized. And she's like, my God, I can't believe this. But I said, Joanne, if there's a place that I think we might be missing it, it's, it's, it's I, I, need our heart, I need our church's heart broken, pastors included. I need God to break our heart. I need us to have a servant heart. I need us to wrap a towel around our waist, get on our knees and start washing feet. If there's a thing, if there's something that we're missing, and I'm not saying we're not doing it at all. Many of us are serving in that capacity. Many of you are, but I'm saying, We celebrate these decisions and the life change, but, and she was so amazing. She was just, and we talked about, you'll hear more about Ukraine and more about other opportunities that we're doing with World Hope. It's incredible. But she's just encouraging me and uh, we're talking about this. and, And she knows, she's very familiar with the book. She's read the whole in her gospel. She's like, oh my gosh, that is gonna be an amazing thing. And we're talking about it and stuff. And I said, yes, I, and she made a statement and this isn't her words exactly, but something like this. The church, I love this, we don't have a mission in the world. The church does not have a mission in the world. God has a mission in the world. And he wants to accomplish it through his church. See, it's, it's not our mission. It's God's. But he wants to use you and me to carry out his work. What a privilege. I mean, what a privilege. I'll give you one more quote. And then we're done. And when a pastor says we're done, it just means there's 25 more minutes coming. So anyway, just kidding. It wasn't that funny, okay? So, all right. Um, This is an anonymous quote in the book, The Hold in Our Gospel. We've shrunk Jesus to the size where he can save our soul, but we don't believe he can change the world. See, meadows... I was talking to some guys from Open Door earlier, these guys that come here and love the church. And I just told, I said, we're not like probably a lot of other churches, not trying to be different, but I just, I don't, I just want God to use us in the way that I know that he can. The way that he used the first church in Acts, I believe that he, what, what he, what, that's what he wants to do. And I wrote down, may we be a church, Meadows, that will have a passion for God and compassion for his people. Pointing people to Christ and their God-given purpose. Here's the kicker about purpose. And I've shared it with you before and I'll share it again. Purpose is not a final destination. It's not like, oh, that's what I'm called to do. Now I'm living my purpose in my job. Oh, that's who I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. Now purpose begins. Oh, this, this is where we're, we're called to, to go. Now, we, now is purpose. No, purpose is not the destination. Purpose is the journey. Your purpose, you're living it right now. Is it God's purpose for you? I don't know. I'm, I'm doing my best to guide us there. Me, me included. But purpose, does, it, it doesn't start someday. It's today. And the purpose is the journey going to where God is leading you. It's so crazy. So what does that look like? I put down, what does it look like for Christians to live their purpose today in our daily lives? What does it look like? Not someday when I reach this and I write a book or I did, no, here's what it looks like. It looks like taking care of widows and orphans. According to the word of God, that's what it looks like. It it looks like advocating for the poor. And by, by the way, that's not you and that's not me. It looks like improving our communities and being an anchor in the community, honoring those in authority, praying for those in authority, loving our neighbors, pursuing excellence at work, blessing those who persecute us, and loving them like Jesus loves us. See, I believe with all my heart That the world is sick and tired of hearing about the love of Jesus. I think they want to see it. And God, I pray that today, Meadows will be a church that will show it to them. We will be that church. It starts with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is where it begins it's about a heart transformation. I can't change your heart. No one else can. Only Jesus can do it. Has your heart been transformed by Jesus? Are you burdened for lost people? Do you love? And I'm not saying perfect love. That's God, that's God and God alone. But, but do you have a heart to live in love like Jesus? Or is it more of a grind and I got to do this and I'm obligated to do this. I should go to church and I should get in a group but I don't want to because that's, you know, the week and more things to do. Does he have your heart? I wanna give you an opportunity to give him everything. What does God expect from you? Everything. Jesus, 2000 years ago would die for you and for me. This is where the journey begins for you and me. It doesn't begin at some epic summit and living our purpose. It begins on our knees at the foot of a cross saying, I'm dead, I'm broken, I am to the end of me. And God, I need you, I need you in me, I, I need you. You won't live in purpose without him. There is no, it won't happen. The Bible says when you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, ask him to come into you. I'm not talking about some special prayer that saves you. I'm talking about authentic, genuine surrender And it doesn't look a certain way. It just looks the way that it's going to look for you. For me, you know what it looked like? Me standing up in a room in a church like this, only a much bigger one with a lot of people looking at me, standing up when you weren't supposed to stand and my Bible fell off my lap. And I'm looking at these visions, or not visions, pictures from the Passion of the Christ and Christ on the cross. And I'm weeping and I'm like, I don't get it. I'm worthless. But I knew in my heart that he did it. And he said, Monty, I did it for you. And if I had to do it again, I'd do it again. And I'm weeping. And I'm just, I don't get it. And I'll never forget it. Audibly, I said out loud. I'll give my life to this. And I didn't know what it meant. I still don't know if I know what it means. I'll give my life to this. I am desperate that you would surrender everything today. Call on the name of Jesus. Ask him to forgive you and make you new. And he will do it. And when he does that you won't be living by obligation you'll be living by a heart transformation and that's what separates you and saves you is christ in you the resurrection the easter series i cannot wait i pray you start submitting questions today that are on your heart watching online as i tell you every week type in the comments I choose Jesus. That doesn't save you. The authentic surrender saves you. You're just telling us what's going on so we can walk with you and love you and celebrate with you because there's no, there's nothing greater. Gospel, the gospel, I wrote it down. The gospel is a call to self-denial, not self-fulfillment. You know what Jesus' invitation is? It isn't, hey, come and live. It's actually come and die. But that's not attractive. So, You might not hear that in a lot of places because that's not going to get a lot of people to come back to 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 the church maybe. But I just believe God's bigger than that. I just want you to know what you're selling out to. Something that is way bigger than you and God wants to use you for the greatest miracle in history, redeeming the world for him. But you can't redeem anybody or help anybody become redeemed if you're not. Surrender your life. You can indicate it on the cards, the the connect cards that Rachel talked about. Tell us what your decision is. Write down a prayer request. If you want to get baptized, mark it. That's what those are for. And after you guys clear this place out today, you know what I run to? The cards. Cause it's all I got. And I'm like, oh God's doing this and God's doing this. And then we celebrate, you guys, this many people this, this many people that. But it's not about the numbers or the cards. It's what the cards and numbers represent. Jesus saved me from hell. And he wants to do the same for you. And then he wants to use us. The whole gospel, not a gospel with a hole in it, but the whole gospel is a vision for ushering in the kingdom of God. Not not later, not someday, but today. Here on earth, like we just prayed with the Lord's Prayer. What if the church embraced the vision of God transforming the world through us? through you and me. This is his plan. Imagine it. 2,000 years ago, the world was changed forever by 12 people. And I think God wants to do it again. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I thank you for your word and your truth. I thank you that as the word of God goes forth, that we are challenged, that we also feel your, your love so overwhelming right now. Father, as we prepare to worship through song, I pray that after the, afterwards, people will, will be lined up to pray up by the stage. People will be in the prayer room getting prayer. I'll always say it. How insane is it to come to a church, need prayer, and then not get it? Father, I pray for people that are surrendering everything to you right now. Everything, even the 2% they've held back all their life until today, and they're gonna put it on the table and say, God, I don't want it anymore. You take the dysfunction, you take the depression, you take the addiction, you take the secrets, you take the lies, you take the sins, nail them to the cross, God. That's what you will do if we will let you. Father, I pray everybody will run out and get a book, jump into a group, or start their own. I don't care how they do it, It don't matter. They don't even have to put it on the website. I don't care. Just read it and get around somebody else and talk about it. That's all we want. You will work on our hearts. You will do what only you can do. Of course, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and other countries that are being ravaged by evil. God, we have to do something. We can't do everything, but we can do something. Let us be that church you've called us to be, a church with passion for you, Father. And compassion for your people. If we're that, God, we won't have to wish that you're gonna use us or pray that you're gonna use us. You will use us. You'll wear us out for the kingdom of God, and the world will never be the same. Father, we love you, we thank you. I pray, God, that right now everybody in this place, everybody watching online knows how, how, how much you love them regardless of where they've been, regardless of what they've done. You love them and you died for them, Jesus. We love you. We thank you. We pray it in Jesus' name and everybody says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today, but don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I want to ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.